this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story, even celebrities and car personalities. I'm Randy Crudum. This week, Cadillac and Lincoln reveal their new smaller-sized SUV crossovers at the New York Auto Show. And our pal Jeff Gilbert from WWJ Radio in Detroit will fill us in on what's going on with those cars. And get this, a concept for a VW pickup truck. I kid you not. And for the record, the engine is up front, not in the back. And more from my visit to the celebrity stage at the Classic Auto Show here in Los Angeles as I had a chance to talk to two of the three personalities from the Velocity TV show, All Girls Garage. Put your hands together for Bogey Latiner and Rachel DeBarros. Thanks for coming out. Their microphones are right there on the seat. Oh, you want to scrunch up as if we actually know each yeah, other? Okay, hold exactly. on. Exactly. Short I am. I can't even. Hold on, hold on. I'll have to move my chair now. I'm so tall now. Look at this. Hello, Dad. She does. She does. We got to get her on the uh, women's Whee! Olympic basketball team. But where's my five point harness? We are, after all, in racing seats. You know, so that's a good on. question. I didn't even think ready. about that. Five point <laughs> harness. And I've never had a chance to have you guys on the, to on the podcast before, mm -hmm. unfortunately, but. I always like, in starting off, at the beginning, in a sense, I always love to know, we'll start with Rachel, first car you remember growing up with that you noticed for the first time and thought, wow, that's kind of cool. First car. All right, brace yourself, you guys, because you probably have never heard this answer. Uh, because I was getting my driver's license. I was so excited, but I wasn't allowed to do it until I can prove to my dad that I can change a tire and change the oil. After all, he wasn't just handing out cars like to some of my friends, their parents. We had to earn it. So my first love was a mid-80s Oldsmobile Forenza complete with crush velour interior oh my gosh Ooh. you guys the phones were ringing ah. like not at all wait was okay. this your this ah. was your favorite car that caught your eye or this was the car that you got stuck with i got stuck with but it was the first car that i got really hands-on with so that and was your first car spawned the love of automobiles and i of okay. course went up from there but that was so let me even take you it. back in the Wayback machine further back all right in the before times i'm going back to when we were kids I'm going back to the first car. You could have been five. You could have been six. Something that kind of made you go, you could have been 10. Something that kind of made you go, wow. Take a look at that. That would be anything e-body. So I'm talking early 70s Challengers and, of course, the fabulous Cudas because at that time they changed from the late 60s to the early 70s. And we have someone here who's like, nicks, nicks the Mopar stuff. <laughs> Yeah, he, he doesn't like the Mopar stuff, like but Mopar that's okay. Stuff? I'm an equal opportunity lover. I have a 51 Ford F1 as well, Chevys. I have a 2013 uh, Camaro. So I spread the love. But yes, it was my first love was a Cuda. I like this. She's already gone through my first three questions, and, and you haven't even said a word yet. <laughs> 
So I'm, I'm let just me, here to smile. Let me go ahead and start with you, too. Uh, first car that you remember that you looked at and you just went, wow. Okay, so my love affair with cars began with the Volkswagen Bug. I don't Come know. Come on, do we have any Bug fans out there? Right? That's Come on. Right. There we go. I, I love them. When I was a little kid, I just... I. I think it goes back to riding in the school bus. You remember the game Punch Buggy when you'd like punch each other when you saw a bug, right? So I think it started then, but I think I've always loved like all of the bugs that I've ever seen. First of all, everybody has a story in their life that involves a crazy uncle or a crazy cousin who had a bug or a bus or they Come drove on. cross country How and many won, of you did? right? Like everybody has a story about a bug or a bus at some point in their life. And they're all so colorful and so different and pretty and... So that's, that's what started my love affair, and that was actually my very first car that I bought. Oh, really? That was? It was. It's what got me started as a mechanic. I, um, I bought a 1974 Bug that had holes in the floor so big you could do the Barney Rubble through them. And um, when it snowed, it was like a snow globe. It snowed inside the car, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and I took auto shop in high school so I could learn how to fix it. And that's where the, the journey began, and I fell in love with cars. So, Fred Flintstone versus the Barney Rubble. Did Fred have bigger feet? Was that it? I don't know. I've always called it the Barney Rubble, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, it could be a Fred Flintstone, too. You know? I'm, I'm just not, wondering. You know, know, I'm not going to discriminate. <laughs> I'm just, this, this is the questions I ask that people go, what are you talking about, dude? Hey, All right. Whatever works. What would you be doing if you're not doing the thing with the cars? Oh, and, and the reason I ask is because I think it's fascinating how you guys went from a different direction and ended up in the car biz. Rachel, let's start with you. If I could have a dream job, I think seeing with all the advances in space travel and technology and melding technology with cars, I mean, the next thing is kind of your Star Trek, you're getting out cars in space. You know, heck, Elon Musk is <laughs> trying it. So I think I would, I would head that direction. And can just you believe see how, he stuck how much a, I can push it. He stuck his own car. I know, so crazy. I love it though. Isn't that great? Outside the box thinking. I love it. He's never going to get it back, is he? No. No. <laughs> okay, so one car if you would like to see put on a rocket and shipped out of town, what would it be? Oh, you know, you know mine. Go ahead. Listen, Pontiac. Aztec. No, no. Oh, the Pontiac. I don't know. Yeah. I remember yes. when the commercial came Amen. out. And, and I remember, like, okay, I see where they want to go with it. But yeah. when you have, like, a roof that's like this, what are you going to fit in it? I, I, yeah. So wrong. It was a good try. So and very wrong. So you'd put a Pontiac Aztec <laughs> yeah, into a ship and just send it thing. off I'd to Jupiter. Like, Can we put all of the Pontiac Aztecs no, on the no. ship? <laughs> well, the later ones, actually, they got rid of that goofy cladding on the side, right? That uh, plastic stuff, so it wasn't as bad. I didn't make it that far. Both? I didn't make it past the first release, I and it, yeah. it, I already wrote it off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we all hate the Aztec. Anybody here love Aztecs? Love to hate them. Yes, okay. hate them. All right, Amen. we're in the club. All right. Well, we have a new uh, car club here, I think. So what about, so is there anything that you really think is so bad, so ridiculously bad, it needs to be sent on a rocket ship out of town? I don't know. I'm one of those odd birds that kind of likes the underdogs. So a lot of the cars that people love to hate, I kind of dig. Um, okay, so what's number one car you like, to, that like on that list? Um... I think a lot, like a lot of like the AMCs, AMXs, like I, I like them. A lot of people don't. I think they're kind of fun. Um, I love AMXs. I, Are you kidding? I like underdogs. I like the oddballs. I really appreciate um, 
outside the box thinking and and when you do something outrageous and and different and it's not the same cookie cutter now the aztec tried to be outside the box and not cookie cutter it was a fail I mean, I agree, <laughs> AMC being the underdog company against the other three, it's, but they didn't really get outside the box because everybody else went to, you know, um, future, you know, just the next right. step in suspensions and they kind of stuck with the Trunnion. And yeah. if you've ever done work on a Trunnion suspension, <laughs> you know, there's a reason you take it to a shop. A lot of shops won't do it because it requires a, a special tool to be able to remove it and compress it. Yeah. But I don't know. I like getting creative with them. And, and as long as you just aim them yeah. away. Totally. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I have new respect for Rachel because we've had Dave Kindig up here. We've had Wayne Carini up here. And she's the first person to drop the word Trunnion in a conversation. <laughs> I mean, hey, you scored points. Uh, what do you think? Come to on. Work into yeah. a conversation. Come on. <laughs> so yeah, everyone went ball joint. They stayed in the box. You know, they just were they comfy did, but here. they were the underdogs. They and were. They didn't have those that big budget. Yeah. And I'm one of those weird car people that like I, it doesn't really matter to me. I mean, I appreciate the artwork and I appreciate the creative and all of that. But when it comes down to it. My favorite car is a broken one because I just like fixing things. And it doesn't matter to me what it is. I just like fixing broken things. Well, and you talk about putting different things together. Uh, all you guys, I'm sure, are familiar with Fords versus Chevys. And the fact that sometimes people will take a Ford, no matter what year, and stick a Chevy engine in it, especially cars from the 30s and 40s and that kind of thing. Because Chevys, theoretically, in case you're a Ford guy, uh, are easier to work on. And I understand that. LS swaps uh, everywhere. Okay. And, and every everywhere. so often, somebody's going to sit there and play games, and they're going to throw a Ford engine in a Chevy and blow people's minds. So I'm looking at your Chevy truck, uh -huh. which by the way, unbelievable. Thank you. Incredible. I'm that. staring at it, and you want to talk about conversations <laughs> and a mind meld between two people who have never met. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and all I did is I looked at that engine, and I went, and Bogey looked at me and said, yeah, BMW. And, and I went, holy cow. <laughs> That was wow. more in his exact words. So where did, why a BMW, <laughs> I've never heard anybody try that. Why a BMW and a Chevy truck? Because you've never heard of anybody try that. Uh, I was a BMW technician for many, many years, so that's my background. I've always loved BMW engines and their engineering, and I've always loved old trucks, so why not put them together? And why do the same old, same old? I think the really cool thing about doing what we do, about being able to work with our hands and build things and make things is that you can build and make whatever you want. And so why limit that and say it, it has to fit in this certain box of what you can build and make? You can build and make anything. That's the cool thing about being who we are. I want to talk a little bit about what went into your truck because it's unusual in a sense that you had so many people working on it, number one, and it was all women. And while that's great, but you just don't see that. And tell us a little bit about how that came to be. It was really a passion project of mine that started out as this harebrained idea. I'd bought this old truck off Craigslist. It was falling apart. I thought it would be really fun to get together some of my other female friends who work in the industry and, and build something together. And it turned into something way bigger than I ever could have anticipated. Uh, there are so many women out there who work on cars day to day, who are hobbyists or enthusiasts. And I think very often, because we are the minority, very often we're in our own little bubble, in our own workplace, in our own life, and we feel like this odd duck. 
Like there isn't anybody else out there like us. And so to get to work with each other and to meet other women, uh, the women in the Women in Wheels Corral right now, I mean, for us to meet each other and connect is just, it's a really powerful thing. So it grew like wildfire. There were so many women who wanted to come and participate. We had to wind up turning some away, but all told it was 90 women and about 30% of them had never worked on cars before. And so it was really a learning process and for people to explore the trades and see if it was something they liked and wanted to do more of. Rachel, I, I'm curious to know too, and I think a lot of people here will see what you're doing and, and applaud what you're doing. And how difficult is it for a woman in this business to be taken seriously? I mean, it's, it's definitely getting easier. Yes. And my goal was never really to be a technician or work on cars as a job. This was always a hobby for me. But when I got into college to make extra money, I decided, hey, you know, just continue working on cars. It was something I was comfortable uh, doing. So I made a bunch of flyers. You know, Rachel, if you need oil changes, and I would get on my bike and do oil changes and brake jobs, you know, right on the parking lot. And I waited by my phone and got no calls. So I decided to replaster with the name Jimmy. Well, man, the phone started to ring. I started to book some appointments. So I would get out there and be like, where's Jimmy? And I'm like, listen, this happens all the time. Jimmy double booked himself. But don't worry, man, we go out on these jobs all the time together. Out of the three years I've been doing that, only two guys were like, there is no Jimmy, right? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> But since that. then, it's really, it's really about leading with your passion foot, you know, rather than your gender foot, because everybody has similar stories of buying that project car, getting stuck. We all get stuck. Maybe the project has rust issues you weren't expecting, or just trying to meld different mechanics together, like a BMW engine with a Chevy body. So. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So it's fun to exchange ideas. And so I made a lot of friends in the forums and shops locally. You have uh, all sorts of interesting ideas here. You have an opportunity to do some interesting things with these cars. And we were talking a little bit about backstage is that both of you, I think at one point, were going in some completely different direction with your careers. Bogey, what were you doing or where, what were you going after before suddenly cars became your uh, <laughs> focus? So I studied uh, pre-law for my undergrad degree and really thought that I was going to grow up to be a lawyer one day. Uh, I had fallen in love with cars in high school, in high school auto shop with my Volkswagen Bug, and I didn't really see it as a career path necessarily, so I went off to college and I did what I was supposed to do, and, and I loved it. College was great. It was a great experience. I wouldn't trade it for the world. However. I really missed working with my hands and I missed that satisfaction of taking something broken and seeing it drive down the road and knowing I did that, I made that, I built that, I fixed that. And so I shocked my, my whole family and friends and, and all of that, my whole circle and I want to know what happened. Tech school. You got you to tell us what happened when you broke the news to your folks. Uh, I'm going to leave lawyerism and I'm going to start going into car stuff. Well, my, my parents hate when I tell this story, but, um, and they're very supportive now. They absolutely adore me. But my mom, for the first three years after I started tech school, would send me the guide to U.S. law schools as a birthday present every year. <laughs> and would say, anytime I had a bad day, mom, I had a bad day at work. Well, you know, it's not too late. You can always go back to being a lawyer. You can go to law school. I had a bad day, Mom. It was just one bad day. It's okay. <laughs> now, Rachel, you too were, were doing something different as well. 
Yeah, actually, I started similar to Bogey. I did one year of dental school. And although I was doing really well in dental school, I knew that this wasn't my passion. A lot of us like to watch the uh, animal shows and you're into it, but it doesn't mean you're going to go out on safari, you know, with these animals. True. So I took a year leave of absence, started exploring other options, worked a bunch of other jobs and ended up in marketing, except it was one of those cubicle office space type marketing jobs where it's just punching things and numbers and, you know, answering phones, that kind answering of thing. phones. Yeah, yeah. And uh, printer load paper error messages all the time, and you just want to. <laughs> so I miss working with my hands, and that's when I got my 73 CUDA and started doing that as a hobby. And I started to put up videos online, and people shared the same problems. And that's when we started talking online. And shortly after that is when I met Bogey through the show. And, and, and talk a little bit about that, the fact that you did a lot of your stuff through social media, and then that's how you became known. Because a lot of you folks out there may be wondering, how do people get into these shows? How do the producers find these people? Your case, it was basically on YouTube? Pretty much on YouTube. I've been a web developer, so I had a website, and just through work, you're always you know, driving traffic to these different sites. And so a hobby started to really pick up steam, and people were really gravitating towards the videos and posting pictures and exchanging, and the numbers continued to, to grow. And they basically saw my YouTube videos on how to do basic car repair, certain restoration uh, projects on the CUDA that I was using examples. Like if I could do it with basic tools, and a one-car garage, you guys can do it too. And lo and behold, I got a strange Facebook message. And I'm like, okay, this does not sound legit. <laughs> you know? what, what did it so say? I so did, I did my research, and I said, no, this is the company that does the all-girls garage show. So yeah, I'll give them a call. So what did they send you? What did they ask? So they asked if I wanted to come out and audition for the show. And it's literally, this is the car you're going to work on. And they gave you two things to do. So when you get in, you either know how to do it or you don't. You know, so you go in and my job was to swap a brake booster. And also for the uh, Cal induction system for those Chevelle lovers out there, uh, it operates via vacuum and electrical. So we found that the vacuum portion of it was not working while the electrical was. So there is no help. There is no, you either know it or you don't. Wow. That was pretty good. So did you have any idea that you wanted to be on TV at all? No, no idea. I had fun doing uh, my videos, and I had already built a business around there, and I was already writing and developing other shows, and so I was kind of going on this career path, but I thought it would be so fun to do this, and what I love about it is the variety of cars we work on, from vintage racers all the way to late model vehicles. I mean, nothing is off limits. It's been if a any, lot of fun. If any of you have any questions you want to ask Bogey and Rachel, raise your hand. I think uh, Melanie might be around. We've, we've got one hand. I tell you what, you, come on over here. Here, hold on. Since, <laughs> since the microphone that. isn't here, I will have the microphone come to you. Go ahead. What's your name and where are you from? I'm Bella and I'm from California. Bella from California. And what's your question? Um, I want to work on cars too and I want some advice. You have a question or just general advice? Want some advice on what cool. I should do if, to be success, successful with? Well, do you have a family member right now that works on cars? My dad. 
Awesome. So the first thing that I did was work on cars with my dad. And a lot of people ask, well, was your dad a car guy? No, he wasn't. He was actually a a journeyman electrician. And so we kind of learned by DIY. We made mistakes, me and my dad, together. And a lot of messes in the driveway. So uh, that's really the best way to learn. You guys, I imagine, have your family vehicle just like I had and start doing a lot of the basic maintenance yourself, starting with like a windshield wiper change. I remember that one was the toughest one to learn for me for for whatever reason. Maybe I just couldn't reach right away. So that's that's my starting point. Yeah. Advice. And I, I would just say stay curious. Take things apart. Just take them apart and see if you can figure out how they go back together. See if you can figure out how they work. Right? I know. That's, dad's like, please don't tell her to do that. Don't do that. <laughs> My microwave take, was Take apart things that are already broken. My <laughs> coffee maker. I need some coffee. What the heck happened to the coffee maker? But yeah. I think the thing that makes a best technician is somebody that's curious and, and wants to find out how things work. So get out there with your dad as much as you can, read as much as you can, watch YouTube videos, and just don't be afraid to dive in and take stuff apart. Because if you're anything like me, it doesn't really make sense until you have the pieces in your hand and you can look at it and go, oh, I get it now. The dad in me is going, <laughs> like lurch. So dad, it's okay if she makes a mess? What's this? Listen, if the part goes back together oh, with this less screws... This is her cleaning the chassis on your 69 See? truck. I See? love it. See, you're already Let's on put the our right hands path. together for you're this fine the right automotive path. family. Wow. Keep it up. And don't let anybody ever tell you that your dreams aren't enough or aren't the right dreams to have. You go after it no matter what, okay? All right. <laughs> Any other questions? Anybody? Raise your hand. Come on up here, sir. Or I could go. Hold on a second. Let me come out. This is where I'll break my... You're getting, my, you're getting uh, fancy. Don't hurt yourself. There we go. Go ahead. Hi, I'm Bob from Minnesota. Uh, you do a lot of shows. How often do you do a show? Uh, one every month or how often? Yeah, when, do you, when do you tape and like yeah. from the point you start to the, how long does it go? So we film pretty much once a month for about a week. And we'll film an episode or two each time. So you guys do this in Florida? Is that where it is? We do. And we you're, do. but you're nowhere near Florida. Neither no. of us are now. Okay. <laughs> this is this is how I think. So you're from the East Coast. Philly Eagles. <laughs> yeah. And Bogey, you're. <laughs> um, I am actually from the East Coast as well, but I live in Arizona. Okay. Now Christy, who also works with you. She's in Detroit. She's in Detroit. So you guys. Although all... she's from Florida, so. Originally, I don't know what she was thinking. I, I don't move know to either. Detroit, I know. <laughs> Detroit's kind of cool. This, I like Detroit. Copies of this show, so we can figure out exactly the map where they all live, will be coming up shortly. <laughs> Any other questions? Did I see somebody raise their hand? Were you raising your hand, Lady in the Pink? Oh, do you want to raise your hand? <laughs> Bueller. Okay, just checking. Bueller. Bueller. Anybody else? Bueller. <laughs> okay. Well. Oh, oh, we got a hand. We got a hand. Right behind you. Ah. Okay. I remember you. You're asking a lot of questions. Um, my my uh, son-in-law is a Volvo fanatic. You did one half of a show. Are you ever going to do finish it up? Uh, the P1800. Yeah. Yes. Um, we were told that we're going to get it back again at some point to do more with it, but I don't. I don't know. 
cars do come back and they sometimes, do, sometimes they come back two seasons later. Yeah. Uh, this season, you're actually going to see a couple cars come back from last season. So I think that one will come back. So we'll which see. one's going to come back from last season? We can't give away all of our secrets. You've got to watch and If we out. tell you, you wouldn't watch the show. Because you'd already know the answers. If you see, watch the episode, I think one of us does say this is going to come back. So I think it's that car. See, <laughs> Kindig tried to do this to me last hour. <laughs> well, if you don't you watch the show. You should have learned. But I have to. You know, as a journalist, you always have to ask. Of or course. as someone who pretends he's a journalist. Of that course. works out. So, okay. <laughs> all right. Good to know. Now, your next season starts when? When are the We're new episodes start? We're already in next season. I knew that. <laughs> but or, yes, current season. It yes. hasn't started airing, airing yet. Yes, so we've already been taping for this season, but it starts, I believe, in later March or early April. Okay. And then, of course, we take that mid-season break uh, as we tape more, and then the last half starts sometime in the fall. So that's what, six shows on and then something along those lines? Pretty much, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Now, how is it as far as working as a group on this show. We hate each other. <laughs> no. We have way too much She's fun on set. At me. We really <laughs> Sometimes I go home and cry. As you could tell, they really don't like each other. They're just putting on a nice front for us. Okay. Well, and you and um, Christy. Christy. Thank you. I knew that. She's going to kill me for not remembering. That's all right. We blinding. all we have a blast together and we're really we're really fortunate and we're really grateful that we all get along and we really like each other genuinely. And, and, you know, that could go horribly awry when you take three random strangers and put them on a show together. And um, it, it could go a different direction, but we've gotten along and been great friends. And I consider them both friends, not just co-hosts and co-workers, but I consider them to be friends. And it's nice that we have, we all love cars, but we bring kind of a, a different perspective on things. Uh, Bogey being a BMW master tech, me loving everything from mid-50s to about mid-70s, and uh, Christy, who obviously is as comfortable in cars as she is on her motorcycles and bringing that entire motorcycle enthusiast into the mix. So between the three of us, we pretty much can figure out what's, what's going on with these cars. People who watch your show, what do they take from the show? Because I know a lot of people will watch... I know I watched Wheeler Dealers, and, and you look at not only Ed in the past, but now Ant doing his thing, and the way they do it, it makes it so you think to yourself, oh, that's not that hard. I could do that. Ah, oh, the magic of TV. Yeah. <laughs> but, but do you get a lot of people coming up to you and saying, you know, because I watched you, I, I thought, well, okay, I can try that, and, and it yeah. has worked? I think that one of the things I get at least a lot from people is that our show tends to show a lot of detail and actual stuff happening and how it happens and there's not a lot of drama, there's not a lot of, it's really just about the cars and just about the project and I think people tend to appreciate that. Yeah, plus every time, I mean, you've seen the show, we're either removing engines, putting them back. Sometimes we're doing similar tasks to different cars uh, and sometimes working on a different type of car, there's an extra step you have to go through. So differences in these installs, we like to try and highlight new stuff for every episode mm -hmm. or like little problems you might run into that you're not expecting. You know, I'm walking in the audience. I feel like Jerry Springer. This is like, oh my oh. gosh, we need a fight now. We're we on Jerry Springer. <laughs> we need uh, whipped cream and we need somebody to throw some chairs. Anybody? Anybody want to volunteer? Okay, no. Any other questions? Okay. <laughs> Figures I walk all the way over here. 
We're helping you get of, your exercise. What yeah. kind of Jerry Springer are you? Go ahead. Uh, quite a while ago, we would see people like Danica Kirkpatrick on Power Block, and now we're watching you. Is it possible that we're going to see you in a driving capaci capacity at some time? Ooh, that would be so much fun. Driving capacity. Yeah. Have you seen the way she drives? <laughs> I mean, I love you, Rachel. I, I love know. You. I, I, I have <laughs> to admit something. No, I, I was born with a condition. It's called GDS. So I love to put horsepower <laughs> under the hood, and then you got to follow that back down with the, you know, upgraded rear end. But GDS, granny driving syndrome. <laughs> I can never enjoy fully what I install into the cars. I'm flooring it, guys. It's not that I'm not flooring it, but I look at the dial, it's like 45. I'm like, we leave the studio at the same time. We get back to the hotel. We're waiting on Rachel. I know. Where's Rachel? So, it's a GDS. so basically, you're like driving one of those Autopia cars at Disneyland. You have a governor. It's like driving a U Haul truck. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I like that. It's such a curse. It's like we work with so much horsepower, yet I, know. I cannot enjoy it. And I'm, I'm just as bad, I have to admit. I, I'm not quite as bad as Rachel. Christy's definitely the speed demon out of us. She's the, the go fast all the time. I'm a go fast when it's safe and when it's protected and there's nobody else around. I've, I've lost people very close to me in car accidents, so I tend to be a little bit of a, a more trepidatious, slower, conservative driver. I am the official old lady of the group, too, so I, I drive a little slower. Okay, so you won't see a drifting edition of All Girls Garage. Maybe okay. from Christy. Maybe from Christy. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> What's your name and where are you from? Uh, JD, Los Angeles. And we always see you guys working on other cars. I'm just curious what you guys drive in your real life. <laughs> Good question. I'll let Rachel start this because she's got some fun stuff. <laughs> Yes, I have quite a few Mopars. I have a 2010 uh, Challenger SRT8, and this was a fun vehicle because we painted it in 72 hours at SEMA. So I sprayed the base coat, and the guys from Lowrider Magazine came down and did all the pinstriping. So it's kind of like a muscle meets Lowrider type of you know combination. So that car is a lot of fun. My 2013 uh, Camaro SS convertible, and then my daily driver because it's just such a great vehicle to carry stuff to and from the shop is actually my 2008 Hummer H3. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's such a gas guzzler. It's like, well, it's an i5. So you're not going to be merging fast anytime soon. But that's okay. It's just mostly to haul stuff. So my daily driver actually was on the show a couple of seasons back. It's a BMW 335. And we did um, some performance upgrades to it and trim upgrades and whatnot. And then I own uh, about six other dead cars and yeah. motorcycles. I, you know what they say, it's like the shoemaker's children go without shoes. The mechanic's cars get unloved. So I literally have three dead BMWs, a dead Volkswagen, and two dead motorcycles. And one day I'll get around to working on them when I'm not working on other people's cars. We should join <laughs> them together. My 73 Cuda and 51 Ooh. Ford F1. They'll make friends. This could be fun. This could so, be our next build. So wait a minute. <laughs> this is going to be like the movie The Fly. You're going to take the BMW and the Cuda and kind of blend them together? Why not? There we go. I we got parts. Dream it, build two. it, drive it. <laughs> this is great. We figured out the cars. How big are the garages you have? Personal or professional? Start at personal. <laughs> My my personal like 
my own own garage is non-existent. I have a carport at my house. Um, but I have a 4,600 square foot warehouse where I do my projects. And then I have an 8,000 square foot um, auto repair shop. Okay. I, I, I think it's great that you're admitting you just have a carport. That's cool. And the first two years of my business, I uh -huh. operated out of that carport. Really? 115 degree Arizona summers and I'm wrenching on cars in my driveway with my carport. Determination. Rachel? Yes, no kidding. I'm on the opposite spectrum. Uh, also, my driveway and my one-car garage wrenching in the opposite spectrum of the temperatures. So right now, we're you know in the zero-degree weather. But yeah, it's me and my puff coat trying to get under the car and getting stuck on everything. I do everything, not miss that. Everything. I do not miss that. That's why I moved away from the East Coast. Nothing like working on a car where you've got snow and salt dripping down your arms. That is just no fun. Mm -mm. Thanks for the visual on that. Bogey and Rachel, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> check them out. Bogey and Rachel and our pal Christy Lee of All Girls Garage. You can check out our interview with Christy on our Talking About Cars Classic page. You can get that on iTunes and SoundCloud. Christy was number 51, Talking About Cars number 51. Now, some wild cars were showcased and some others unveiled at the New York Auto Show this week. Jeff Gilbert works at WWJ in Detroit and hosts the Tales from the Auto Beat podcast on Radio.com. Jeff, how exactly does the New York Auto Show rank when you compare them to things like the Detroit Auto Show or the L.A. Auto Show? There are three auto shows in the United States that, that break a lot of news. Here in New York, that is one of them. In L.A. is another, and the one in Detroit is also one that breaks a lot of news. Most of the other auto shows are basically about selling cars. So here in New York, there are a couple of days of press previews, just like the L.A. show. Now, the L.A. show has taken a more tech focus in the last couple of years with an automobility exhibit uh, because the West Coast is taking a tech focus. I mean, there, there are tons of tech firms that are working with auto firms, both in L.A. and particularly up in the San Francisco Bay Area. So the L.A. Auto Show has taken on that theme and the Detroit show also to, to a lesser extent because they're competing with the big consumer electronics show in Las Vegas. Here in New York, it really has consistently been about the cars, about the vehicles, and even more and more about SUVs. There are a ton of utilities here. And to talk about some of the unveilings that came up this week, we remember a name from way back when we were kids, the Lincoln Aviator, and, and now that's back. Yeah, you know, Lincoln, when they brought back the Continental, found, hey, wait a second, people like names on cars. So the MKX, MKZ, all of those MKs are going away, and they're bringing back names and classic names like the Aviator and like the Continental. Are, are very important. And Aviator, even though the last generation of it wasn't all that great, it still plays well with people. It fits in nicely with Navigator, and I had a chance to see that vehicle. And really what it is, is it's a different exterior design, but inside it's like an average SUV size, but the same utility, the same luxury that you have in the bigger Navigator. So for people who want a smaller package but still want what they would get in a Navigator, they've got the Aviator. And I remember when Lincoln Aviator originally came out, basically it was a uh, Ford Explorer that they stuck a lot more good stuff in and luxury-type items. Is this kind of the same thing? No, not at all. In fact, uh, that was my knock on the Aviator that came out a few years ago. It really wasn't much better than a high-end Ford Explorer because, I mean, with Eddie Bauer additions and things like that, in fact, our daily driver is a Ford Explorer Limited. You can add a lot of luxury onto that. So it was 
the perfect example of what they call badge engineering in the business where, you know, you basically have a Ford version, put a little more leather and chrome on it, and voila, you have a Lincoln. And it also had the bad timing of coming out just before gas prices really started to rise. So that particular vehicle was doomed. But Lincoln found out that the name Aviator resonated. And with the Navigator, Lincoln has really done a good job of separating itself from the Ford brand. The Navigator looks nothing like the Ford Expedition, and the Aviator looks nothing like the Ford Explorer. Well, that's good news. Now, Cadillac also came out with uh, an unveiling of their own. Yeah, this is a small SUV, and Cadillac is really focused on the European luxury brands, the BMW, the Mercedes, and the Audis, and those brands all have smaller SUVs. Cadillac didn't have one. That area is becoming much, much more important. So Cadillac has this XT4, unlike Lincoln, Cadillac has really gotten into the numbers and letters. So XT is their SUV designation. They have an XT5. Now they have a smaller one, an XT4, that uh, that goes into that. Think BMW uh, X2 kind of size, uh, nice compact size for younger buyers who want luxury but maybe live in an urban setting where it's not easy to park something larger. Everybody has an X. Did you notice this? All these um, cars now have Xs in there. I guess that's the the key letter to make it sound really sporty. Yeah, sporty and crossover. It, it, it's BMW was the first one with the X3 and the X5 and the X1. So they started doing it. And of course, Lincoln had their MKX. And uh, yeah, Cadillac has, has the X's in there. And I'm sure we'll find a few X's from other car makers if we can think about it. So they also had, I guess, the World Car Awards. Where do those come from? Well, they come from a panel of international journalists uh, from you know just about every country in the world, and uh, there are only a few representatives from the United States, so American cars tend not to do very well in that award competition. The three finalists this year for World Car of the Year, well, there were no cars. They were all luxury cross, all crossovers. Two were luxury. Uh, there was the uh, Mazda CX-5, along with the Range Rover Velar, and the uh, Volvo uh, XC60, and it was the Volvo that was the winner. Volvo also winning the North American Utility of the Year award that was handed out to start the Detroit show. I always am amused by some of the cars that Range Rover is coming out with, the Velar, and and just the ones with the interesting roof lines. They are trying really hard to come up with something completely different than the Range Rover, uh, but a lot of people either love that or you hate it. Where do you stand on that? I actually like it. Uh, Before they had the, the Velar, they had the Evoque, which I thought was beautiful. So, Range Rover, or I should say Land Rover and uh, Jaguar, should I say Jaguar or Jaguar? I, I don't know. What is the official? Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, Jaguar is official, but Jaguar is what we, we Americans say, like aluminum and aluminum. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I see that on Wheeler Dealers all the time. <laughs> yep, yep. But, but, but anyhow, that brand has really separated itself, uh, both of those brands, from other luxury brands. They're unique. They're upscale. Ford had kind of taken Land Rover and made it a little bit more pedestrian. They also had some Jaguar vehicles that were were mass market. Well, when India's Tata bought that, everybody was wondering, hey, here's this company that makes a low-cost nano small car. What are they going to do with a brand like Jaguar, a brand like Land Rover? Well, they took it way upscale, and these vehicles are good-looking, 
They're unique among luxury vehicles. They look very different than a BMW or Mercedes, and they look very British. And I guess the luxury car of the year was the Audi A8. Yeah, I and I uh, have not yet been in that vehicle, but I'm looking forward to it. The Audi A8 is the top-of-the-line Audi. It uh, competes with the Mercedes S-Class and the uh, Lexus LS and uh, the BMW 7 Series. And Audi, in particular, has gorgeous interiors. So, as I said, I've not been in that vehicle, and I'm looking forward to getting into it. Obviously, the judges really love that car. Now, a car that we may not know by name, the urban car of the year, if you will, that was the VW Polo? Yeah, VW Polo is sold in uh, markets in Europe and in Asia. It's a smaller car, smaller than a Golf. Again, it's popular in markets like Europe, where gas prices are a lot higher and you've got very dense urban cities. And, and, and in the U.S., when we hear urban, we think of, of gritty, inner-city kind of feel. Uh, when, when Europeans talk urban, they're talking more about congestion, small, how well does it work on very tight city streets. So urban would have a different meaning, say, in london or rome that would have in los angeles or detroit where the streets are are really big really wide it, it, it's it's more that kind of feeling like like the smart car was it really fits in a city and, and does its job in a smaller package jeff gilbert uh from our friend from wwj in detroit he of course uh works at cbs as well and he's their car guy uh does all sorts of uh interesting car stories from uh the corporate cons- uh perspective and you go out and you cover these one interesting point we talked about volkswagen now they have are you ready a pickup concept i just saw it what do you think i think it's cool it reminds me a lot of the Honda Ridgeline. This is not going to be like the big all-American pickups or the Toyota Tundra or the Nissan Titan. This is going to be the kind of thing that if they ever make it, and I've got a feeling that they're going to make it, uh, it would be something that you would take your, your fun stuff up to the lake on the weekend, that kind of thing, your gardening supplies, things of that nature. It is built on the same platform as the Volkswagen Atlas, which is a new seven-seat SUV, and they also introduced a five-seat version of it here. So it's a crossover kind of styling, so it will have good on-road manners and essentially be something that has the utility of a pickup, not a full work truck, but a versatile kind of vehicle for everyday use. Mercedes-Benz and BMW reportedly pulling out of the Detroit Auto Show. That's an odd choice, don't you think? Yeah, and well, you know, it's not reportedly. They actually both announced it and confirmed it, and it obviously has the people in Detroit very nervous because for anybody who has been to Cobo Center in Detroit, they take up a lot of space in that show. And when, when I talked to the head of Volkswagen North America today uh, about that new pickup truck, I asked him, are you committed to the show? And he said, yes, he is. He couldn't speak for Audi, so hopefully Audi will still be committed. But, you know, these days auto shows are very important. But car makers have a lot of other ways to introduce their products online at places like CES and things of that nature. And they're always, always evaluating where they get the most bang for the buck. And Mercedes in particular had a very big introduction in Detroit last year, a new G-Class. They even brought in your former governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, to, to roll it out. And uh, they didn't get a ton of coverage. That show, most of the coverage was about pickup trucks. So I'm wondering if that had something to do with it. 
Jeff Gilbert. Now remember to check out his Tales from the Auto Beat podcast at radio.com. Looking ahead to bringing Jeff back, as in fact, for auto updates from Detroit once a month. We'll see how it works out. And that'll do it for this week. I'll be back next week with another interview from the Classic Auto Show Celebrity Stage with Dave Kindig of Bitchin' Rides. Thanks for listening, and please share our show on social media, subscribe, and if you're listening right now on iTunes, leave a comment and rank us. Rate us one through five stars. I'm kind of thinking and hoping and keeping the fingers crossed you go with five stars, but I'm not influencing you at all. Thank you in advance for helping our podcast grow. Our website is TalkingAboutCars.net. Join our mailing list to keep track of what's happening with us and where we'll be doing live broadcasts on Periscope, Twitter, and Facebook Live. Until next time, I'm Randy Crudum. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.